I'm going to read out of Psalms 103. We're going to read that, and then I'm going to give you a story out of the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to share with you the, the message meat of Jeremiah 32. Because God has Jeremiah in prison. Jerusalem has been besieged. If you watch the heartbreaking issue yesterday in the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, our hearts go out to our, our brothers and our sisters there of the Jewish faith. And our lives are internally knitted together. And without the Jewish contribution to Christianity, there would be no Christianity. So you can't say, I love the, the Jews of the Old Testament and the New and not love your current ones down. And anti-Semitism is sin. And to see evil and not call it evil is evil. And that what happened yesterday was evil. And we need to pray and we're gonna do that for them and they're all that have been affected and the police and everybody there. But I want you to know these are some evil days we live in. But the days that are getting evil, that's when the light needs to shine brighter. And God's called you and I to be the light in the dark places. In Psalms 103, verse one through five, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives me of all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. Let's just stop there for a moment. If you've done anything in the past, he says, I forgive you. If you have sickness in your body, he says, I'm healing you. So receive that forgiveness and receive healing right now. Who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. In Jeremiah chapter 32, Jeremiah is at the end of his life. Many of you have read the book of Daniel. This is where the book of Daniel starts because Jerusalem has been literally captured by Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, the tyrant of the king, has taken over Jerusalem and he has taken all the strong men and the women. He's taken them out of Jerusalem into Babylon. That's where you get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But Jerusalem is now a desert place. Everything has been decimated. The walls have been torn down and literally Jeremiah is locked up. He's at the end of his life and God says, I'm going to do something, Jeremiah, to renew your strength like an eagle. He says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to cause you to do something that seems crazy by land in Jerusalem because I'm coming back there and I'm going to do a supernatural work. And I think when you start to prepare for the impossible, God starts to show up when you least expect him. And today, what you're doing by being in the house of the Lord, you are preparing for the impossible. And God's going to let you leave here today soaring. Some of you have come in limping like a chicken, just limping. But you're going to leave here today soaring like an eagle because God's going to renew you. Father, thank you for renewing your people today. And Lord, we do pray for those who have been affected by the tragedy of the anti-Semitic devil that has tried to hurt your people. And Lord, we pray for not only the churches, but also for our brothers and sisters, the Jewish people, that God, you would comfort them. And God, I pray for the, the peace and comfort there for those that have been affected. We lift them to you today. And Lord, I pray that people would today would be so strengthened that they would be renewed like an eagle today. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's men and women said, amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're amazing and sit down. Would you do that? You're amazing. Save that donut for me back there, Ray. I'm coming to eat it in a little bit. But I think today, um, I think today is a special day for you. And the reason why I think that, 
Because it's no accident that you're here today. It's no accident that something is being done in you today that you don't even realize, a renewal, a renewal like an eagle. I think that sometimes because of the older we get in life, sometimes we forget about what we've gone through or, or we do the opposite and hold on to the pain and we don't look forward to the promise. Do you see throughout human history this, this tapestry of abuse that happens with God's people? It was the Roman general Pompini who noticed how the Jews, when they were coming to defeat Jerusalem, he noticed how they vigorously tried to defend their land. And as they tried to defend their land, he was amazed how they, they defended that temple. And there was one room in that temple that they defended unto their death. It was called the Holy of Holies. It was where the Jewish people believe that God's presence dwelled and that Shekinah glory of the tabernacle was in that room called the Holy of Holies. And so this pagan heathen king, this, this pagan was so enamored of what was in that room. He couldn't take another moment. He killed everybody in his path because he wanted to see the treasure that lied in that room. And to his astonishment, when he killed everybody and he looked into that room, to him, it was simply an empty room. And he thought to himself, why in the world do these people defend something that's empty? What they were defending was not artifacts in the room, but in their estimation, they were defending the very presence of God. And there are things in our life that people, when we do them, they think, man, you're crazy, or that seems irrational, and it seems a little bit different. And God calls us to a level of obedience where we're calling out different things, or he calls us to do things that other people cannot do. It seems a little irrational. Sometimes it seems a little bit crazy. Hold up your staff, Moses, and watch the Red Sea depart, and two million people will walk through dry shod, bound for the promised land. I don't know about you, but but that seems a little crazy. Put a serpent on a stick and the people who are snake bitten will receive their healing. That sounds a little irrational to me. Go dip seven times in the Jordan River, which is muddy and dirty. I've been there many times. And watch the leprosy that has plagued your body release out of your body and you'll be as smooth as baby's flesh. That seems a little crazy to me. I don't know about you. Walk around the walls of Jericho for seven days, a fortified city. Jericho's walls were so big, the historian Josephus told us that they would race chariots side by side on top of that wall. Walk around for seven days. You can't take down that wall, but I want you to give a shout and I'll take down that wall. That seems a little crazy to me. Dig a hole in a roof and drop a man down the hole to the Bible study that Jesus is teaching. And not only will he be healed, but he'll be forgiven of all his his sins. Throw your body on top of another body. Breathe into that body. And that body which was dead comes back and raises up to life again. You see, the Bible calls us to do things that sometimes seem a little bit different. They seem a little bit cray-cray, but God is preparing us for the impossible. Can I get a witness this morning? And the passage of story God gives Jeremiah this crazy thing. Jerusalem has been ravaged. It's been, it's been taken over by a pagan named Nebuchadnezzar. The land is devastated. No walls, no security, no school, no resources. And God tells him, 
by land in Jerusalem. He's locked up. This land has been devastated. And God tells him this peculiar kind of crazy thing. And Jeremiah, the leading prophet, he's thrown into jail. His friends, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're taken away to Babylon where you get the book of Daniel. He gets a word from God by property, a word from the Lord, which nobody would really understand. And God tells us sometimes to do things that not many people will understand because what God is constantly trying to do in us is renew us like an eagle, to believe him at his word and believe for greater things and expand our capacity to receive and believe, to renew us like an eagle so we can fly. The word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. He says, buy the property. And when Jeremiah gets that word, the Bible says his uncle shows up the very next day with the deed and the land to purchase it, and he buys it. I love that because it says the very next moment the uncle shows up to jail, he buys the property while he's locked up in jail. I don't know about you, but I wish prayer was that quick. I wish prayer when you'd pray was just like an immediate, immediate response. Lord, I need you to do this. And bam, shazam, it just happens that way. Isn't that cool when God does a quick work? It's pretty amazing when God does a quick work. That's Jeremiah 32, verse 8. It's an immediate work. And God does stuff like that sometimes. He'll do a quick work. You pray and immediately happens. And how exciting when God does that. Without a shadow of a doubt, you know God did all that. What's exciting, but unfortunately, it doesn't happen all the time like that. Many times it's not as quick as verse 7, verse 8. Many times it's something that needs to be buried in the ground. Because God told him, once you buy this property, I want you to take the deed, put it in a jar, lock up the lid, and bury that thing in the ground. Because that's going to take some time for me to accomplish. There are some things that God will do suddenly, and there are some things that God does slowly. It doesn't happen as quickly as we would like it. And he tells Jeremiah, I see what you believe for, your obedience. I'm going to do a quick work by sending your uncle to buy that deed and buy that land. But what I'm going to do next in the land of Jerusalem, it's going to take slowly. It's going to take some time. Verse 7 and 8 is a suddenly. But there's going to be things that are going to happen on a greater scale that are going to be slowly. That when you least expect it, I'm going to show up. And Jeremiah does something. He takes the promise of the land, like I told you, he buries it in the ground and he waits for God to do something. I love it when it's a quickly, but so many times more than not, it's a slowly because God's trying to teach us something and help us in those areas. How many of you know when God closes a door and you're waiting for him to open up another door, it's what we call hell in the hallway. And you can live in hell in the hallway and complain and remain, or you can be in the hell in the hallway and praise and you'll be raised. But if you complain, you're going to remain. But if you praise, you will be raised. Can I get a witness this morning? Some people get in the hallway because you're waiting on God to open up another door and all you do is complain, 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 yak, yak, yak. You start plucking like a chicken. Nobody likes me. Everything's about me. I'm tired. I don't like it. Nobody. But, 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 but. Your butt is not that amazing. 
I'm sorry, but you got to get your butt out the way and learn to trust in the Lord. Because sometimes there's quick works, but other times, often and not, it's a waiting on God to produce the impossible. What Jeremiah does, he takes the promise, he buries it in the ground, and he buries it, but God doesn't see it as being buried. You need to know that. The deed is like a seed waiting for a harvest. It's a deed that's put in a jar, a deed of purchase, but God doesn't see it like that. In God's eyes, it's a seed. It's a seed. And God tells him, plant it. Jeremiah thinks he's burying it, but God says it's not buried, Jeremiah. It's planted. He has a seed packet. And this seed packet that he's planting, he thinks he's burying, God shows him houses, vineyards, fields, all coming back to Jerusalem. He shows him, in effect, the seed packet. What I have here is a seed packet. And some of you need to keep your eye on the prize, not what's going on around you, not what's going on within you, but the promises that God gave you and look to the seed packet. Some of you have gotten a great seed and you think, man, that divorce was there to bury me, Joey. That difficulty that I've had in my illness is meant to bury me. That separation of my children and the stuff I'm going through, it's meant to bury me. And God's saying, no, it's not meant to bury you. It is meant to be planted in you because I'm going to produce out of that pain the wonderful promises of God. I'm going to produce out of it a seed. But you've got to get that vision. You've got to have the picture and realize that God has greater things for you. I tell people that are battling with sickness, get a picture of yourself when you were healthy, when you were strong. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on your shower. Put it somewhere that you see it every day and believe God. Keep the seed in front of you. Those who need prosperity, understand honoring God. Get yourself a house you want to live in, a picture of a, a house you would like, to, a type of house, whether it's my modern or old school, whatever you like, and put that picture before you. Keep the seed packet before you. Believing for your children, believing God for the promise of a baby, put that seed packet before you. Get the bedroom ready. Get the hoeing home clothes, those little swaddling clothes for that little boy, little girl. Get them ready. Keep the seed packet before you. I'm telling you, if God has given you a picture, you got to hold on to it. It may still be in the ground. It may be invisible to you below the dirt, but it's not invisible to God. If that seed could talk, it would say how lonely I am. It's cold here. I don't like it here. But what the seed doesn't realize, there's coming a day where it's going to begin to sprout. It's going to begin to produce. And a harvest is coming, says the Lord. The seed is important. You got to hold on to that picture many times because it may be forgotten by you, but it is not forgotten by God. And there's three things you do in these times. These times that you're waiting for God and you're waiting for God to open up that door, you got to obey God. Not only do you need to obey God, you got to bury those seeds. You got to plant them in the ground. Then you just pray. You just got to learn to pray. Talking to God like I would talk to you, like I would talk to my best friend. Jennifer's my best friend. But you got to learn to begin to pray. It's just simply talking to God. And the moments of obedience, sometimes God calls us to do irrational things. Because many God ideas were deemed foolish at first. They were deemed silly to many people who didn't have the promise. Many of God's generals were seen as God's fools in the beginning, even sometimes by other believers. 
Buy real estate, Jeremiah. It seems irrational. Use your own money, Jeremiah. Buy it in Jerusalem under Babylonian captivity. I know there are times when God asks us to do things that we, we kind of seem irrational. In 2009, I was asked, along with my wife and family, to come and take over the church. I've never pastored before in my life. I was never even part of an organized church. In 2009 and 10, I was traveling the nation. Every week, I was somewhere else. I was in another state. I was in a, another town, another city. I spoke in churches all over the nation. I spoke to professional athletes throughout the week, 13 Sundays out of the year. I did a lot of things in youth and children and uh, prisons and you name it. I never pastored before. I never even was part of an organized church before. And when that crazy thing was asked of me, I got to tell you, it stunned me. Take on the church. The church at the time, it had about 50 people that attended on Sunday morning, maybe 75 on a good Sunday. And there wasn't that many people at the church at that time. And God told us, take on that church. And I prayed. I'd ask people, what do you think? And I even had good friends of mine, people that I respect, people I love say, man, they must be desperate asking you. Man, I don't think you can pull the church out, Joey. It's not doing well. It's got bad stuff going on and on and on. But, you know, they didn't, God didn't put the promise in them. God put the promise in me. He put the promise in Jennifer. And I knew that we were to step up and take on the church because I never would have pastored a church before because I've never been part of a church before. I've always been the guest. I've always been the encourager. So God had to use an avenue which was unfamiliar to me and different for me because I've never been a part of an organized church before, never managed anything. I'm a pioneer. And so I took on the responsibility. And the first thing we did in 2010 was start the first Lord's Gym. There was a wonderful congregational member named Georgia. She had an 8,500 square foot old abandoned kind of building that was just kind of lying dormant. And I saw that 8,500 square foot building. I said, this would be a great place for a center for kids. This would be a great Lord's gym. I had at my uh, friend's place, I had all this gym equipment that was given to me throughout the years. And so I had that, that small congregation at the time start doing the upholstery and start, and start, you know, re doing the upholstery. We painted it. We put pool table in there, video games in that 8,500 square foot gym. Cause I said, we're going to do something to help the community. I'll never forget one day. And I just started pastoring. There wasn't that many people at the church at that time. It seemed irrational. And I was in a line at a store and there were two ladies at the time from the church. They no longer attend here. Thank God. But they were here at the church at that time, and they were, I could hear them talking one unto another saying, who does Joey think he is? He'll never be able to pull, he just wants to build a gym for him to work out. He, who does he think he is? He'll never be able to, he doesn't know what he's doing. But you know what? I, if I would have listened to them, I would have shrunk back. I would have never accomplished that. We opened that gym January 16, 2010. And that first week we realized that we outgrow that facility. But I realized God didn't put the promise in those two ladies, those old battle axes. No, I'm teasing. He didn't put the promise in them. He put the promise in me. He put the promise in me. And I realized that there was more things to come. That was a stepping stone, a small seed, 8,500 square foot building that turned into a 30,000 square foot seed that has 1,900 students coming today. What's the point? 
God tells you to do things and what people don't realize all the years of going to churches across America from tiny little churches of 10 to thousand members, 15,000, 20,000 member churches. God would always put in my heart. You can do that. You could do that. And it was something that lied dormant within me. I would say, God, if you allowed me to build you a house, I would make that a priority. I'd leave that religious stuff alone. I would let people do that crazy stuff to dishonor you. And all throughout the years. And it wasn't the time then. It wasn't the season back in the day. It was the season to go out there. But now God has graced us. One of the greatest joys of my life is to build God a house. I love that because it's going to be a place where his people dwell. His people are the church, not the building. We know that. But you see my point. God put that promise in me. What I thought nobody else knew, I never spoke of. To Jennifer, obviously, my bestie. But other than that, I never spoke of anybody that it was always my desire to build a church, to build God a house. But God knew that. And he, you had to have a picture I, I, throughout the years, had that picture before me. God, you're going to let us build a church. We deferred here. We knew it wasn't our home here. We knew this place was just a temporary stepping stone. The seeds, the good things, we were going to use it for the next phase, the next ongoing power of God. So I tell you that because it was a promise that's being fulfilled. Do you know today the greatest promise is going to be fulfilled for believers? It's found in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ will rise first. What people call death, God says it's sleep. It's not buried. It's a seed and the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. What a great promise that the dead in the bass will rise to meet the Lord in the air because God says there's coming a day. It's called the rapture of the church and it's my promise being fulfilled. Hallelujah. Can you give the Lord a hand clap in his house today? If God is behind the picture in the packet, then he responsible. He knows what he's doing. You cannot worry about things you're not responsible for. Why are you worried about things you're not responsible for? You're worrying about things that you can change. Then doggone it, change it. If you have the ability to change it, then change it. But you're worrying about things you can't change. Why worry about things you cannot change? They are out of your control. It's not your responsibility. It's God's responsibility. And if it is in your control, stop worrying about it and change it. Ask God to help you change it. There's something to be said because you're not responsible for things you cannot change. You can't change your past. You can't, you can't change your upbringing. You cannot change certain things. You got to learn to get over it and let God have the responsibility for it. Finally, to obey, all you can do after you obey is you pray. That's all Jeremiah can do. And you know what he does? He buys the land. And when he buys the land, here's what he does. He says, oh, Lord, this is the bottom of the verse of 32, uh, the 32nd chapter of Jeremiah. He says, oh, Lord, God, you have made the heavens and the earth. That's why it's great to be a creationist. In other words, to go back to your creator. 
That's what we are. We're creationalists. In other words, we believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe in that Trinity, and we believe that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We did not evolve like Charles Darwin tried to explain. You say, well, the Big Bang Theory, my thing is who lit the match? God lit the match. In the beginning, Elohim, God created the heavens and the earth. That explains us. We did not evolve. We were not a, a monkey hanging on a tree, and now we're a professor with PhDs. It doesn't work that way. In the beginning, Elohim, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, they dwelled together and said, let us make man in our own image. And because of that, God Almighty, he created the stars, the heaven. He told them how far they should go. He plans orbits. He puts measures space by the span of his hand. His nostrils can split the cedars of Lebanon. Our God is great. When you think you've looked around much, you stop looking around at what man creates and look to the creation of what God created, the sun, the moon, the stars. If God created those things, what makes you think he can't take care of you? He can take care of you. And sometimes you just got to go back to being a creationalist. You just got to say things like, Lord, you hang planets. You hang planets into orbit. You can certainly heal me of my anxiety. God, you can certainly provide for me. You stick stars into outer space. You can get a hold of my rebellious son or my rebellious daughter. You can fix my marriage. You raise the sun every single morning. If you can control the oceans and put boundaries on those oceans, can't you take care of me and my family? If you feed every sparrow in the morning and you know where every funeral of the sparrow is held, don't you know that God can take care of you? You see, some of you are too worried about what you can control and you're tripping on what you can't control and you need to look up to where your help really comes from. The Lord, the maker of heaven and the maker of earth. I bring Job up because that's what Job did. Job started worrying, and in his worst moments, he started complaining, and he had a little whiny, hiney spirit. And Job, he started, he started asking questions, and God gave him a lesson in creation. I like that, because many people can't explain Job, and they say, well, what about Job? What about Job? You can't base your life on an explanation. You give basing your life on a promise. I love what God deals with Job the same way he deals with you and I. He, he gives Job a lesson in creation. He says, where were you, Job, when I was at the bottom of the ocean walking on the floor? Where were you when I was hanging stars into outer space? See, sometimes you just got to go back to basics and you got to go back and realize nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing is too difficult for God. I'm going to say it like over here because you look friendlier. Nothing is too difficult for God. Can I get a witness? That sounds pretty good for Presbyterians. Let's try this side over here. You look more charismatic. Nothing is too difficult for God. Oh, they beat you. Let's try it in the middle. Nothing is too difficult for God. I think the middle one, but let's do it all together. Nothing is too difficult for God. Everybody. Nothing is too difficult when our God is involved. Because here's what's happening as we close our time. God is constantly trying to renew your years like an eagle. You know, when an eagle gets old, it doesn't die from old age. Most eagles die from starvation. What I'm going to share with you is not out of the Bible, but it is out of the current research from the modern day of understanding these amazing, amazing animal. Zoologists have told us that when an eagle begins to get older, most eagles don't die from old age. 
Many of you don't know that. They die from starvation. They don't die because they can't fly anymore. It's because they refuse to eat. When an eagle grows old, they say that a film grows over the eagle's beak and that, that closes its mouth from eating and food coming in. And it lies helpless on a rock. But God has put in these amazing animals this sense, not only for the one that's about to die, but for the younger eagle. Sensing the plight of the senior eagle, the younger eagle starts scouring the mountains and begins to bring to the senior eagle the most delightful dishes. And it lies it at the feet of the senior eagle that's about to die. And what he's trying to do, the younger, is provoke the senior eagle to eat. What happens many times, they say, the senior eagle sees what's in front of it and has a picture of what's in front of it, but it's not able to eat. So the senior eagle does something. It goes over to the rock in which it was laying on. It finds enough strength and it begins to chip away at the beak trying to break away the film in order to eat the food that is in front of it. Many times the beginning of that process, they say the beak becomes bloody. It becomes bruised as it ferociously begins to knock away at the film and have something to eat to keep it alive. Zoologists call it, now catch this, lean in. Zoologists call it a renewal. A renewal that's beginning to happen. That's not the Bible. That's zoologists. I know, you see, I know you've seen Zookeeper, but that's not what I'm talking about. They say a renewal that is beginning to happen. That's what God told us. He said, I begin to renew you like the eagle. See, God already put in this magnificent animal the ability to have fight still inside of it. Even though it's older, the ability to have mating ability inside of it, the ability to have refusal to quit inside of it. It's got this inside of it, but the film has grown over it and now it can't eat. So it's challenged by the younger eagle to remove that film that's kept it from eating so it can live on and have the greatest years ahead. That's why it says having your youth renewed like an eagle. God already knew this. That's why he didn't call you a chicken. He didn't call you an old turkey or an old rooster. He says, you are an eagle and you're to be renewed your strength like an eagle. He says, those who wait upon me, see that's that slow thing. Those who wait upon me shall be renewed like an eagle. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. They shall mount up on wings like of an eagle. That's what it means to have your youth renewed like an eagle. Or all of a sudden, that which was dying inside of you because of age, of starvation, it begins to get renewed. It's like watching some people worship. You say, man, I used to have that kind of excitement. I used to come to church all the time, but now I'm turning into a CEO, Christmas, Easter only, and occasionally. Now I watch my favorite person on television and call it church. I used to worship like that. I used to give like that. I used to 
do those things. Maybe today you need to knock some of that film off your hands and lift them. Maybe you need to knock some film off that old negative speech and begin to exalt him. Maybe you just need to knock some film off those feet so you can get to moving and not look like an old dead wooden Indian. Maybe, oh maybe, God is getting you ready to do something irrational that seems crazy, but it positions you for the possibilities. I think that's important. The God that we serve many years ago when we first came to him, May 18th, 1997, on a Sunday night. I've never been to church in my life. I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't in church in youth authority or juvenile hall because I thought you were a weak sissy wimp if you went to church. And I'm telling you what, May 18th, 1997, my life was forever altered. I was changed. And I'll never forget being a young minister. I got up one Sunday and I was a passionate like I am today. And an older minister who had a lot of film on him, he got up and he began to make fun of me in front of the congregation. Oh, he's just full of excitability. Oh, look at the young man. Woo. And I thank God 20 plus years later, the God who saved me in May 18th, 1997, he's been greater to me than he ever was the day I got saved. He's given me hope, he's given me joy, he's given me a beautiful family, he's given me a church that I love and I cherish, he's given me a city to conquer, he has given me a giant to fight, he has given me a slingshot and a word, he has given me something to go after, and he says, you are going to do the impossible because you're ready to knock it off. Get that film off. You see, God, can we stand together all over the building? Maybe God's asking you to do something today that seems a little bit different. I pray today, Joey. I witness today, Joey. I'm going to worship today. I'm going to exalt him today. I'll praise him today. I lift him up today. I'm going to soar again today. I'll fly again today. I'll trust him again today. Jeremiah thought, like many people, he's at the conclusion. But God says, no, it's renewal time. I'm going to renew you, I'm going to chip away, and I'm going to show up again in Jerusalem. And God's going to renew many of you today like an eagle. And you're not going to be out dying, film over you. That's what quiet, God just knocked that film off, knocked that off. You're going to buy property, Jeremiah. I'm going to show up again in Jerusalem. I'm going to get you out of prison, Jeremiah. Some of you are waiting for that seed. That's been what your estimation buried. But God says, you didn't bury it, you planted it. You thought it was dead and buried. God says, it's planting time, I'm bringing harvest. And for those of you that have nothing planted, it's time for you to knock that film off and start planting stuff. That's why it's an amazing thing to be a part of Oasis Church. Everywhere we go, we sweep through communities. Your pastor a few years last year was before the Senate and the Congress, before the heads of state because of Christians United for Israel, flown there specifically to deal with the anti-Semitic behavior across the globe. Why am I telling you that? No matter what level that you want to participate this thing in, there's something for you to get renewed. You know, I never thought a day would come where a continuation school dropout, a two-time convicted felon before 18, would be asked to go to Washington and speak on behalf of God's people. 
But I'm telling you, God can do a crazy thing if you will live in obedience, if you will live in a place of just doing what he tells you to do and begin to pray. And when you do that, God says, I'm going to renew you like an eagle. You know how young I look now? Man, when I started 2010, I looked hecka old compared to how I look now. There's pictures when I'm a teenager, I look older than I do now. At least that's what my wife tells me. What's my point? God wants to renew us, not just physically, not just emotionally, but spiritually. I pray the older I get, the more crazier I get. I pray the older I get, the more bolder I get. I pray the older I get, the more rash and the more brash that I get the more crazy I get to say, you know what, let's take on a city. You know what, let's take, let's take 30,000 people in a week and give them the gospel. Let's do another city center in the south side. I think that's next. I think an apartment building's next for women and children. I think behind that mall is next, out of those buildings with it and take the whole dang block for the gospel. I think God's saying, cut off the film, chip it away and begin to believe me. I'm gonna show up one more time and give you a miracle.